Hey guys, and welcome back to the Skullcast for episode 95. I'm your host, Walter, and you are listening to the biggest, the best, the... Oh, hang on, what's this? Only, the only podcast about Berserk, but you know what? That means still number one. Um, I'm joined today by Azil. Hey guys. Special guest, M from the forum. Hello. Griff could not make it today uh, because he has recently become a dad. So congratulations to Griff. Can you believe this yes, guy? Yes, indeed. He's keeping the podcast just because his daughter has been born. What a slacker. Making it to the birth of his daughter, but still making it over the finish line with Infinity Wars premiere. <laughs> I see I'm the, I'm the only one here who really takes Bezak seriously. Oh, man. Well, he'll be back in a bit. If not, we I totally understand. I think I took some time off myself, um, so I get it. And that's really great. There's not a lot of Berserk news. It's, it feels like I've been saying that for a while. 20, I feel like 2016 was a really big year for Berserk in retrospect. Because we had you know that goddamn anime. We had uh, yeah. the, the guidebook. We had a new volume. We had five episodes back-to-back in the summer of that year. So it was a slam-packed year. And recently, of course, it's just been, you know, the series is, is back and that's fantastic, but that's that's pretty much it. So the only news that I have really to update is that uh, the guidebook has been pushed back to July from Dark Horse. It's not like I'm waiting with bated breath to read their translated version of that guidebook because it's... Yeah, I mean, it's going to blow. It has it. It is. It was, it was supposed to be out in March and then they pushed it to May and then it was June and now it's July. So who fucking cares? It's going to be out soon. Um, with that aside, again, there's not much really to update. So there's really just the main event, and that is episode 356. I will start by saying that I was indeed a little disappointed in the uh, first page of this because it was like, oh, okay, so he's taken us this mm-hmm. way. Ultimately, not displeased with returning to the mainland because, of course, it's something that we've been talking about seeing since Fantasia started, which is pretty much 10 years ago at this point uh, almost i mean close to a decade since the world changed and yet other than that little caravan episode with rickert you know going towards falconia that was the only glimpse we got about the state of the world so it is very exciting to see how things are the condition of things and the condition is, is exactly what one would think you know humans are basically fucked uh, the first page of this episode kind of says it all um, but i'll do a really brief summary uh, and that is that the episode opens as giants are crushing a big wagon, and we see uh, skinned humans strung up on trees. We see those skins now turned into flags, which have been painted on by the giants, these markings. Uh, and they're devouring humans as snacks as well. And we see they're parading down, wearing basically these makeshift armors and weapons that have been fashioned from doors and church steeples and trees and everything you can possibly imagine, which is really cool to see. A guy's got a boat on his head for a helmet. Fantastic. Uh, On the horizon, they see Griffith and his apostle army, and he uh, points them to fight. They have a big back and forth. Uh, It's pretty clear that this is a coordinated attack, and the giants aren't used to doing a fight like this, I'm assuming. Uh, Things are going really, really well. Mule almost gets smashed by a boulder. Sonia warns him, and then she also warns Griffith up ahead. The leader is there. The giant king drinks from his goblet, throws it at a troll, and then shit's about to get real, and the episode is over. Pretty straightforward. The most straightforward episode we've had in a long time. Um, Also, very short. I believe it was 15 pages. That's with two page spreads included. 
strangely short. Uh, I don't know what the deal with that is, um, but it is an oddball for sure. But before I go further, I've been talking a while. What do you guys think of 356? Well, um, I wouldn't say I was disappointed. I was surprised for sure that we didn't get to see as a continuation of Gus and Casca's story. But, you know, thinking back to it, I mean, people, a lot of people made a big deal out of it. I actually think, like, I can understand it. And I feel like, uh, you know, in a few years from now, people won't be uh, making such a big deal out of it. Because we, we've been following that uh, little uh, storyline for a while. And, you know, thinking back, I think, I, you know, it feels like um, a pretty good place to, you know, for a cat, you know. So, but yeah, I mean, still surprised by it. And uh, other than that, uh, yeah, short episode, but very impressed by the uh, visual diversity of the giants. Uh, you know, it's just very imaginative. Uh, I also like the the grim stuff, you know, like the, the skeletons, you know, people strung up, you know, like around necks of the giants and just the ways they've reused the environment and, uh, and stuff like that. Uh, very, very nice. I, I I agree completely that it's understandable, but on the other hand, I mean, I was a little bit thrown off and a little bit disappointed because we were on this path and it was gaining momentum and it was happening all so fast and it was a ginormous part of the story. I mean, we've been looking for this for years and years and years and we thought it was here and then we thought it was a hiatus and then it wasn't and then it yeah and then it isn't i get it and then that's basically my reaction I- that is totally pronouncing the, the effects of people and probably myself included to a lesser extent is the fact that yeah this episode somewhat came out of left field because not i, I incorrectly predicted that well, it seemed like we were on a hiatus episode last episode yeah one you, person I know. against everyone else that said Man, goddamn! You're like Trump, claiming, claiming, <laughs> claiming like glory for oh, South yeah, Korea, I'm, North Korea. I'm unifying. giving a, I'm it. giving a thumbs up right now. <laughs> uh huh. Make Skull Knight great again. <laughs> All right. So what I was trying to say was, yeah, we've been on a little bit of a roller coaster ride, and the, there's this kind of innate fear that we'll be on hiatus again before we get the what we, everyone really wants right which is guts and casca actually on the same page interacting with each other because that's that's really the moment we're waiting for and it is fantastic that casca is back and all that that will invite for the story but everyone's kind of on pins and needles for that moment and the scream kind of interrupted that and this is yet another interruption and totally this is an episodic series that one once bound will be much more seamless and these bullshit, you know, breaks and all this conversation and all this drama will be put aside. But right now, in this small moment, I get it. I totally get it. And the other thing I wanted to say is that I agree completely with us in that uh, we're shown very horrific mm-hmm. images. And that reminds us of the world of Berserk, which is not a nice world in many in many respects, uh, right? I mean, you see these people being... Uh, their skins, actually, being hung up as banners and all of these things. It's just horrendous. I mean, it's... I haven't felt this way about a scene in Berserk in a while, and it it it, it still shocks. I mean, I, it, it still does. Yeah, it, I actually wish we got a little bit more of that. And I'm not saying I'm like super depraved or anything, but like I kind of wanted to see like what an actual town looks like, and maybe maybe we'll get there, you know. But we we really got like basically three panels uh, of you know what's happening to humans, which is <laughs> they're being pre, you know other utterly decimated. Of course. Yeah, you know. So several things, but to to get back to the whole uh, schedule thing, I, I think an, another part. I mean, what we can infer from the fact Mira chose to uh, you know to switch uh, perspectives uh, with this episode is that there's probably more 
uh, you know, like it will take a while to deal with Gus and Casca. And I feel like that he decided to switch here means it's not just going to be like one episode, you know, it's not going to be one or two more episodes and then it's done. It's, it's going to be a bunch, you know, like maybe 10, something like that, 15. So, uh, you know, I guess my takeaway would be like he chose to take a break from it because when we get back to it, it's going to be uh, a long uh, series of episodes again to deal with it. So I don't know if um, I'm being very clear here, but I, I think he's just, I take it as an indication that there's more to come. It's not just, uh, you know, it wasn't almost done and then it would have been okay to switch. It's just, there's a bunch more. So he chose to take a break here and to get back to it afterwards. Sure. Basically, if he has this, the next, you know, several episodes already laid out in his mind, he's going to pick the softest spot with which to do a transition to break up that. And, and this would be it. I get it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we saw people say like, oh, he's just, you know, doing it for the sake of it or whatever ought to be it. Well, to- that's just like snap reactions. Right? Just, yeah. But yeah, I, I, think, I think there's a pretty good reason for it. And that will uh, become obvious uh, in uh, hindsight. Again, like I started this episode out with, like the fact that we're now finally seeing what was promised to us, which is what does that look like when you combine astral creatures with an existing civilization? And and they're wearing the effects of that. You know, they're seeing it on their armor and in their weapons, you know, what it looks like. And it looks like human civilization doesn't exist, doesn't have a place in this wilderness, basically. You know? Yeah, what's interesting is uh, it feels like the world has become, it's kind of a post-apocalyptic world right now, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, and so, yeah, it just, you know, like brings to, to uh, what's the fours, the ideas that what what is Griffiths and his, you know, troops doing here, you know, and it might be, you know, I mean, that's one of the many possibilities, but it might be that trying to rescue, like, pockets of survivors, because we see a giant eat a human, so it's probably a human body or something, but, I mean, it means there are still humans surviving somewhere, but they must be scurrying like rats, you know, trying to hide from these guys and stuff, so... You know, it's interesting to wonder how many people are surviving and what, what their life is like, you know, out there, outside of Falconia. You know, the guys who couldn't make it, who couldn't, you know, get to safety in time. Or maybe this could be like a liberation mission. Maybe they, their intel is that they have a lot of humans rounded up like cattle or something and they want to release them, maybe? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much it's what I meant. You know, it's like oh, yeah. either rescuing uh, like a hidden group. Uh, or, yeah, rescuing captives that are being used as food or, you know, slave labor or whatever. But, yeah, it's the same idea. It's a kind of uh, liberation effort. Yeah, but you actually would never, Azil, you and I were talking about this episode as soon as it came out. Like, it just seems strange that, you know, the apostles are in this position of basically the good guys and the liberators. And, like, you know, what's the overall narrative, like, you know, arc of that? You know, it, it can't, I don't think it can be, it can remain in that position, right? That... The apostles are the good guys saving the humans. Like, what, where's the turn? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think it's sustainable. I don't think like it's a long time plan. But it's. Uh, it fits with what happened before uh, Fantasia. You know, like we we saw all these guys become united. There was this big moment where Sonia. Uh, you know, spoke to all the soldiers assembled that told them, you know, they have to, uh, you know, make a core with these apostles. And so I think this is a continuation of that. 
and and this episode I think uh, works in that favor. But yeah, I think you know down the lines there's gonna be a rupture at some point. I mean we saw with the Pandemonium episode when Rickett uh, went to see the arena and saw all the apostles there and the blood thirst and stuff. He was horrified. So I think you know it's it goes back to the uh, God hands plan. You know we don't really know what it is but maybe maybe the plan is to uh, desensitize people to apostles you know to make them more accepting of it it's like oh yeah these guys you know they're the demons but they protect us so they can't be that bad you know that that might be part of the plan you know uh, a, a tiny cog in the giant machine so i, I don't know what for but it's, it's possible it's, it's part of it at least it's one of the things that's uh becomes clear here is that you know the soldiers don't seem to mind anymore they've become used to it but then i have yeah. a, 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 qu a quick question maybe um so apostles use usually used humans as their food and entertainment and mm -hmm. whatever but could it be possible that humans are being substituted by these other astral creatures or is is there something else that it's always against humans uh, if, if you see what I'm we we haven't seen it so we don't know you know it's always possible that if you i don't know if you steal something if Aconia, they take you to a room and there you know you don't come out because you end up in an apostle's belly but i mean we see them uh, fight the ogre so i'm, I'm thinking the, the first thing is they behave because uh, Griffith tells them to, and they are like compelled to follow what he says. So we saw that in volume uh, twenty-three, when uh, always twenty-two. I forgot when Mule goes. To, yeah, when Mule goes to the camp and they are eating deer, and they're like, "Oh, it's been a while since I've eaten a human." And you know, you can see that they are tempted, but uh, you know, they are interrupted by Grumble and uh, Irvine. So you know, they behave be because Griffith tells them to, and I think now they can also take out their uh, frustration. Of on these guys but yeah i mean it's in their nature so there's, there's probably always gonna be a craving and again it, it works i think in the favor of the idea that it's not sustainable they can do it for a while but eventually you know they'll get back to the nature which is to eat people and rape and do all these things yeah i mean most apostles are basically wild beasts there's a few that are more tame than the others but for the most part they're just humans and with this evil power inside them, and it's going to get the better of them. Yeah, so they're just twisted. Um, a couple other things. I mean, the introduction of a giant king. I like. I like the idea of this guy. I mean, I I'm aware that this guy is going to go down probably in less than two pages <laughs> from the end of this episode. I'm and I'm cool with that. He's he's not necessarily a king. I mean, he's the leader of the giants. Oh, yeah. But right. I mean, because everybody's like, oh, the giant king, the giant king. But he's just I don't know what else to call. Well, him. he's just, boss. I don't know. He has a boss giant. <laughs> no, I mean, he's just uh, I don't know. He's giant. He's got a throne. He has a giant leader. He does have a upper management. He does have a throne made out of dragon bones, which is pretty pretty cool. There's actually oh, there's a little script, a little text under his beard and it says ceo <laughs> right there his giant ceo oh, nice yeah good catch huh but uh that being said what does giant civilization mean like what does that do, do they have a civilization is the civilization based on how many bones can we collect yeah and they're i mean they're also uh the animals are pretty diverse you know they're they're not complete you know completely barbaric i guess 
I can just picture two giants talking. Like one's like, "Come on, man, we're gonna go raid this village," and one of the guys like, "I'm putting the finishing touches on this banner. Just hang on one <laughs> second. Got to get the eyebrow just right." <laughs> I do think though that like the leader is just the biggest and baddest one. You know, it's just the one. There was another guy who wanted to be leader, and he just smashed his skull. If you if you actually uh, look in the last page, uh, the guy on the left carrying the banner, he looks like he reminds me of the you know the ugly guy in uh, the Goonies. I forgot Sloth. his name. Sloth. Yeah, yeah. sloths. Yeah, he's got his kind of uh, the same face. So, yeah. I thought that as well when I saw him. Nice. While we're on that last page altogether, you know, uh, Azil, you're the one that pointed this out. Uh, Just to the left of Griffith's face, there's a guy with a little insignia on his mask that looks a lot like the one that Locus has on on his mask. And I started looking around like, is that common? Is there other? I don't think I've seen it elsewhere before. So I wonder if it's like. Some kind of contingent of Locus's people, or something like that. Even though they're obviously human. Yeah, yeah, I've wondered as well. Is it like, uh, like you said, maybe uh, I don't know, the regiment of Locus or something? Uh, it's hard to say because it also seems like it's uh, a vent in the, you know, in the helmet, so it might be used. Because we we've seen a kind of uh, when Rickert was in Falconia, we've seen a kind of uh, industrialization of uh, warfare and, uh, and and war equipment. So it's possible they got inspiration from uh, Locus helmet to make more. Or, you know, it could be something as simple as that. I don't know, but hmm. the, the guy's holding a lance, though. You see him earlier oh, in the page as well. He's definitely holding nice. A lance, He's a lancer. Well, I don't know. That, yep. that might be. I mean, they're, they're all. You know, I think. Yeah, I mean, we, we see all of them lancers, but there's only two guys with that specific cross shape on their helmets. The other are the more generic ones. So, yeah, I don't know. Totally. Might be na- honestly, might be nothing, but it's just an interesting little tidbit. Yeah, I just think he could have picked any symbol, and it's just like you know, one instance and another instance. Maybe it's to maybe it's to denote like captains. Maybe like they decided to yeah, add sure. up that, and like the leaders of I don't know, a ten guy unit or twenty twenty soldier unit is has got, has got that helmet. Actually, that makes sense. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's what it is. It could just be a could just be a cosplayer too. I mean, at this point, <laughs> these guys could be really big fans of. Logos. Look at my lens; it's, it's longer than yours. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah. I'm just kind of jumping around and I'm just kind of scanning the pages, but, you know, a lot of the other, not a lot, some of the conversation also was around uh, Sonia, who makes an appearance here doing what she does best, which is, you know, predicting the flow of the battlefield and helping people out with uh, her telepathy. Uh, but uh, there was a comment about her, the long face she has and the long panel on that page. I personally don't make much of it. I think it's just her talking and telepathy. I don't think she has to always be smiling or always be chipper. I don't think it has to mean anything that she's not smiling or chipper in this panel. But there was a lot of discussion about that. So I wanted to see what you guys thought. Yeah. Yeah. Same. S- same or maybe it's just much. a mood from uh, Mule's uh, attitude. You know, he was about to get crushed yeah. and she's like, come on, guy, get it together. And maybe it just carries on to the next uh, panel. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yes. so, so that could be it. But yeah, in any case, I mean, uh, some people were like, oh, maybe she's dissatisfied with Griffiths. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. You know, I don't think, you know, like a ticket, you know, just a, a simple panel like this would, you know, be trying to convey that much. Seems far-fetched. Well, I think it's the kind of thing, it's the kind of door people try to open when there's not a whole lot to dive into in an episode like this, when it's just pretty much moving things forward in a somewhat predictable fashion. You, you get uh, this panel with a character and like, well, let's just dive into this one. Let's make mm-hmm. this the focus of the piece. So I, I, I understand trying to grasp onto something. 
Uh, one thing so. we didn't mention much is that the uh, giant leader uh, has got trolls as pets. And that's, that's, I, I found that pretty cool. Just pets, probably snacks, I'm guessing. Uh, I don't uh, know. Eternal snacks. They, they, look like, they look like pets, you know, because uh, you see one of them is eating uh, like a chicken leg or something. And, uh, well, he does, he does drop his cup on one of them, so he probably doesn't care yeah. that much. But I don't know. I, I, I found that funny <laughs> anyway. And I think I figured it, it was just like Jabba the Hutt, just reaching in and grabbing, you know, a little like thing and just throwing well, it alive down his mouth. It's just like that. I mean, they could be both. They could be pets and like, oh, I'm hungry. Let's eat the dog. You know, I mean, <laughs> this guy don't look uh, too just, refined. You know, maybe it's like Alf and cats. He just likes to have <laughs> yeah, them around yeah. and likes to eat them as well. Yeah, good for I, snack. I thought that uh, showing trolls this way was a great, great detail because it. At this point, we know that Fantasia is a very dangerous place, but the, the fact that giants have trolls in this manner just raises the stakes even more because trolls have always been a nuisance at the very least. They have been problematic, but this, these giants control them like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so because, it tells you yeah. that uh, this is a very dangerous place. What, what I find interesting is that, you know, it, it kind of establishes uh, an ecosystem. You know, it's not just. Like, right. it's not just there's trolls. There were trolls at some point, and then there's new things, and then new things. Like, Mira could have done that, but he's bothered to make trolls a stick thing, where you got, we got this first encounter with Guts, where it mattered because he attacked the village. And then we've seen them again and again. And, uh, and yeah, what I like here is that because the giants are so big and the trolls are just, like, nothing in comparison, they're not a threat. It's like... You know, if you're a mouse, uh, a house cat is like your deadliest foe. But if you're a human, it's just, oh, come here, kitty, kitty, you know. And and I feel <laughs> that it's, it's kind of the same thing here. Is that, you know, the, the trolls, you, you can see they're like, uh, you know, the ones that's eating is uh, it's pretty comfortable and the other ones are just scared. But the giants don't care, you know, to them, they're just, you know, like small creatures. So I, I like that and, you know. I like the idea that there's interactions. The same way the giant leader, he's got these uh, dragon skulls or maybe it's wyvern skulls. I don't know. But in any case, it means they've killed other astral creatures. And so the idea is that it's not just all these guys together as a bunch just eating humans or whatever, but it's, all of them are interacting complex manners. Uh, I find that very enriching. You know, like it, it makes you think and you, you can like this whole world is very complex. I don't know if, if I'm clear, but uh, yeah, I, I saw this no, pretty cool. No, totally. And it, it's exactly what I would have expected from Miura when he opens this very complex door to the astral world and all the different creatures interacting. Like That's that, I, that's the exact thing I wanted to see from an episode like this was those trolls kind of scurrying around on leashes, as I think it was Lithriel pointed out to me. I didn't see it at first, but they're on leashes. So there's there's definitely, you know, a, a function that they're serving in some way. So that's just a cool detail. Mm. You could have easily have left them out. But, yeah, it adds depth to the different interactions interactions between the astral creatures. Yeah. But also, like, even beyond that, just to go a step further, it's also the idea that these guys are outfitting themselves with very uh, unorthodox things, like the goblet that he's drinking out of it looks like a church bell. And um, you can even see the little, you know, bell ringer inside. And, and he's using that as a goblet. And he tosses onto a troll whenever his, his hand sh- trembles by what he sees in the battlefield. Mm. Just small things like that are very cool. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so it's interesting because he seems, 
he seems pretty pretty scared of what's going on. At least he's not reassured, you know. He's he's mm-hmm. uh, you know, Goblet is trembling, and you, you can see he's got a sweat drop on his uh, on his face as he sees uh, grief is coming for him. And uh, and of course, I mean, one of the biggest questions of the episode is that Sonia warns uh, Griffiths that there's an ominous and large uh, shadow that's uh, hiding in the bushes behind the soldiers. And of course, we don't know what it is, and and that's one of the big uh, questions here is like, what's going on? What, what's gonna come out of the woodwork? You know? Yeah, I, I mean, that is definitely the question of the episode because it's the only linkage, really, but it's not immediately evident about what's gonna happen next. But um, I was unclear about that exactly. Like a shadow in the bushes behind the soldier. Is she referring to you know Griffith soldiers up on the ledge? You know, um, the is she referring to the giants as soldiers? I don't. I wouldn't think so. Well, yeah. The thing is, uh, because it's from the Korean, um, yeah, you know, translation, course. so it's not very clear. But uh, I think it might be uh, ambiguous in the original. So it probably refers to the the giants. But um, I don't know. It's not sure. In any case, she does. I yeah. mean, the Korean thing does use the word soldiers. So who knows? I mean, like the the immediate assumption I would make is that it's it is yet another astral creature that is just lying low. Mm-hmm. Basically, that the threats that they can see on the battlefield that's not all that's here in the vicinity. There's something else here that could also be a threat. That's to me all that panel really means. And yeah. I'm sure it will it will present itself in the next episode. Likewise, the question is, uh, what kind of beings that would be? You know. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it could be, uh, you know, Zeal, you, you brought it up in the thread and, and I, I, I'm not necessarily against it that we've talked about these regional, you know, uh, astral creatures, astral beings. I, for, I forgot the exact term. They're not elementals. For example, the, um, the Lady of the Depths was, would be one oh, of the yeah. Lord of Rotting Roots. Beings that are tied to a specific, you know, strata in the astral yeah. world. And the question is whether they made it in or not, or if they're too deep to have made it through this you know, fisher in the yeah. world or not. Uh, yeah, I don't think, I mean, I, I don't think uh, it would be something like that here. I, I still don't think these guys, uh, you know, uh, exist like that. Okay. The, the other obvious one is, uh, you know, some magical creature that is more powerful or has more devious you know, powers than these guys, yeah. maybe that actually can wield magic. Yeah, well, what I would like to see is uh, something like the Kundalini, but, you know, uh, on steroids, you know, like a, mm-hmm. a big ass, I don't know what it could be, maybe a giant dragon or something, but, a, uh, you know, creatures that can uh, control the elements or at least one element as I could pose, uh, I just maybe give them a little bit of trouble because so far it's been a walk in the park, you know. They're going to come to this uh, giant little guy and just cleave him in half, you know. I, I Zod will just rip off his head or, you know, Griffiths will, I don't know, cut his throat, but it, it won't yeah. be like, it, it will be nothing. So, yeah. I mean, if you recall the last encounter we had like this, the, the cockatrice, whenever, whenever it did its stone breath, whatever it was, yeah. that's what really made the battle, you know, suddenly dangerous and Irvine had to intervene. So something similar could happen where they have a magical creature that actually has a form of power that is you know more formidable than a big club, for example. <laughs> Could actually stir things yeah. up. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that'd be pretty nice. And do we think that whatever that is, is with the, it's with the giants, or do you think it's on its own? Uh, I, I think it could go both ways. So you know, because uh, we see the the leader being nervous, uh, I wonder if it you know didn't mean that, for example, they're being manipulated. Like whatever force is behind them is like you know kind of forcing them to have this battle, you know, or to stand the ground. 
I also think it could be just another creature that's uh, stalking, lying in wait and uh, waiting for the right time to strike. So I, I think it could be both ways. I, I kind of like the idea that it's uh, on its own, but I, th- I think it could be both ways. I think, I mean, if you're crazy, it could even be like, I don't know, you know, Conrad is in the bushes and like, oh, what, God. What, what the fuck, man? <laughs> Took me a while to set these guys together. God. <laughs> and Griffith's like, this is my turf. This is my turf, Connie. You go back to your place. All right. <laughs> no. It's, it's, it's Conrad and Ubik. They're, they're fucking in the bushes. <laughs> Very large and It's ominous. dark. Don't go there. It's, this, there's something shadowy this in the bushes. Don't go there. Extremely large shadow is actually... You don't want to see yeah. this. Close your eyes. And Conrad's Conrad's wearing the grandmother masks as uh, well during that scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So, yeah. I don't know. But I think... So, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting. And uh, so the, the episode's title, we didn't mention it, but it's uh, Jotun, which is a, a Norse mythologic reference. Uh, and I uh, like the, the kanji means giant and uh, the Furigana is Jotun, so it means like that um and yeah i wonder if whatever you know whatever the shadow is is going to be also connected to norse mythology or not i mean would make sense that it could be but nothing i mean anything could go so just just food for thought i mean if it's writing out if 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 he's specifically spelling out yotun then i would assume that yes there's supposed to be some kind of vague norse otherwise you could have just said giants nidog is gonna come out there you go. Hell yeah, Nidhogg's gonna come out. What? Nidhogg too. Best. That's one of the better oh, yeah. games of last sure. year. Yeah. Well, it could also be one of the other ones that I can't uh, pronounce. Uh, mm-hmm. M could pronounce it, maybe. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. What else about this episode? The apostles we see on the field. A couple things I wanted to say was it's really weird. We haven't seen Zod since Fantasia, since yeah. we saw Griffith pointing at the city uh, to Falconia. Yeah. That was the last time we saw Neither Zod. Neither Zod nor Grumbled. And, uh, you know, so I, I thought I had assumed that Zod was out there hunting down big critters. And I'm glad that he is, but, uh, you know, I would have preferred him to be more kind of a lonely wanderer and just, like, testing his might. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and not just being part of the regular army, but I guess, you know, he's Griffith Slacky now, so he's got obligations. Just one of those dudes out there. He is on the front lines, though. He's the first one out there. Yeah, but, you know, he, but, yeah. he does, you know, it did feel odd to me. Uh, and maybe that's on purpose. But to just see Zod among all these other guys, these, like, nameless monsters, and he's just one of the monsters among the monsters, I was like, damn, man, like, he, he's kind of fallen low, you know? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, my, that's my take on it. Like, I mean... His his presence there could actually indicate, you know, the seriousness of this campaign that they're on. Like the fact that he's there with them and not just out doing his own thing. You know, if he has to be right next to Griffith, you know, it could be that they regard these threats out here as majorly, you know, super serious. Yeah, 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 yeah that's true. And I mean, Grumble is there too, and he's not, he's not the level, but he's still a pretty big, you know, he's one of the big yeah. guys, you know, so yeah. But uh, notably missing, of course, is uh, Locus and um, Irvine and Rakshas, of course. Rakshas probably still, you know, m- mending his wounds, probably 
getting a new cloak sewn for him. Uh, well, you know, I, I don't, I don't know about. Uh, so I don't know about Rakshas. I, I'm not sure. I mean, he's an apostle. He probably got better in like, you know, that's true. Yeah, in just ten minutes, he was back to normal. But one thing interesting is, I got the feeling last time, and I get even more now that when Griffiths is not there, Locus is a man in charge. You know, he's. I, I feel like mm. he's kind of set himself up as a right hand man, which is like. Nice ambition, dude. Um, so yeah, and Irvine, he's probably just—I don't know. I mean, he's—he's a, he's a hunter. I wanted Zod to be like the guy hunting and stuff, but Irvine truly is a hunter, and we saw him last time hunting in the woods. He even says so himself, and so I feel like, uh, yeah, he's probably the guy patrolling the woods and just you know slaying stuff. So, yeah, I think all these guys are kind of accounted for in my mind, you know, like Irvine is patrolling the perimeter uh, by himself and um, Rakshas is probably whatever, doing whatever he wants and Locus is holding the fort and these two uh, other big guys are there for, for the battle. But uh, in, in addition to those guys, uh, I did see one new apostle, at least I think it's the new, it's the Mantis one. And you can see on the first, uh, second oh, two yeah. page spread... Looks very alien-like. Looks almost kind of xenomorph-like. You know, I, I feel uh, like... The way that head is I, shaped. Yeah, I feel like I've maybe seen that, you know, kind of face before. But, yeah, not very often. It's, it seems to be a woman. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I I'm also not sure. And um, it feels like it's a woman, too. I don't know. I thought so as well, but I wasn't yeah. sure. It's kind of hard to tell. But uh, anyway, yeah, <laughs> pretty cool. Uh, I like the design. Very cool. And it's like, yeah, kind of, like you say, insectoid, mantis-like. And very like that elongated uh, skull is uh, almost like a, a xenomorph, you know, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, a lot of re- returning familiar faces that everyone at this point should already be familiar with. Even if they don't have names, you can spot them from a mile away <laughs> at this point. They have the same, same guy since volume 13, 12, and all those guys, for sure. There's so much about this episode that's like it's pretty obvious because there's a one in it that we're going to get a lot more in the future. So I don't want to go too deep into speculation, uh, but I do think it's appropriate to talk about, you know, what we hope to get out of a return to the mainland um, now, as opposed to, for example, my initial idea, which is that we'd see the mainland fully transformed, you know, many years later after they returned from uh the, the island but no we're now we're seeing it you know kind of ground level we're seeing what a fantasia campaign looks like instead of it happening in the background at the threshold so like what could the do we expect any opposition here like what the conflict really is because if it's just going to be griffith mowing through astral creatures i just don't know what we what we get out of that like what's yeah, the arc of so, that story i mean i i think it's pretty obvious that uh, fighting the Yotuns is not the point of this uh, sequence of episodes. It starts with that because that's cool and looks great and it's awesome and it's a battle. But I, I don't feel like that's the, the point of it. But yeah, what's like what the point is? That that's a big question. Uh, honestly, I don't sure. know. <laughs> it could be many things. A lot of people have uh, speculated that we're going to see the coronation and the wedding and stuff and. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's going to be uh, something important going on. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, Mura decided to show this for a good reason. But what that is, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's honestly kind of hard to say because um, 
we know we know there's something else other than the giants here. Uh, I, I think the giants will be done for next battle, uh, next episode. I mean, uh, but yeah, what's next? Does it matter? Uh, will we then cut back to them returning to Falconia? I don't know. Could be. Could be something else. Hard to say. Yep. Once again, we're back at a place where we don't know what's happening next. What do you know? Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, it, it was easy so long as uh, Guts was going to help them to cure Casca. But now, I mean, it's just the fog, you know. I don't know. Yep. Uh, I don't have a lot else to add to this episode. Uh, unless I'm missing something. Obviously, we could very obviously do a page by page. Um, do you want to go ahead and do that now that we have some spare time? Sure, why not? Okay. Well, we'll go start with page one. I started talking about this at the start of the episode, but we see the giants kind of crushing the obviously symbolic of human civilization being under the foot of astral creatures now. Uh, and then we see some some uh, bodies on skin hanging on trees. And then we see those skins hanging on banners. Um, and yeah, it looks to me like they were painted on post-mortem to me. But uh, yeah, I guess... Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, I think that's pretty obvious. I wasn't there for it. I wasn't there for it, but I would well, guess it would, that's It would case. have been pretty complicated to paint them on, you know, like before, because it goes all the way, like, I mean, it uses the whole skin, you know, otherwise yep. it would have to go to the As back. So I, I don't think, I mean, I got nothing against these guys, but I don't think they're very, like, uh, dexterous uh, when it comes to art, you know. Yeah, I don't know what kind of brush they so, used or anything. What's, in, what's interesting is that they've got three banners. So it's like it's not just one clan. You know, it might be the the giant, uh, how to say, congregation, you know, against the Falconia armies. Hmm. So, you know, I, people, uh, some people were like, oh, what is this battle? Uh, are the giants like, uh, some people said the giants were attacking Falconia. I, I, I don't think so. I think... Uh, Griffith and his army went out to attack them. And what's interesting is we don't know uh, how many battles uh, there were before. You know, maybe that's the final battle of Falconia killing the giants. Maybe all the giants, I mean, the giant clans have banded together for this one final battle to try to, uh, you know, fight back. So there's a lot of things we could, um, you know, imagine. From just seeing these things, yeah, there's there's zero context for for the whole thing, yeah. So it's impossible for us to guess the the full scope of whatever this happens to be. Um, I'm not even sure you can see any of the tree branches anywhere. That that would be the other obvious thing, but it's also super cloudy in this day, so it's hard to say for certain. Yeah, uh, not a lot, not a lot to go on there. I think we just have to look at this fight as it is, which is you know appears to be. A single skirmish, and they appear surprised to see this, this. You know, people on the hill, or the apostles on the hill. So, I would assume it's the first encounter. But I don't, I, I don't know that they're surprised. I mean, they're all uh, gear for battle. They, they, you know, they're wearing armors. Uh, they've got weapons. They're in in a line. I feel like this is uh, not just a surprise attack. You know, so yeah. I mean, they, they even have guys carrying. Uh, banners so i feel like this is a you know an organized battle honestly in a field and stuff i've never really thought of it that way um i'm but i'm now that i'm looking you're right there's no in my head there was a shock that they were seeing apostles on the on the horizon but there's that doesn't exist at all so yeah you're right it's also the nature of the coordinated attacks like they just seem (laughs) i don't know 
I, I'm, I'm clearly in the losing here. There is no precedent or that this is the first encounter. Yeah, and they're, they're not. I mean, these, look at these guys. They're obviously not very orderly, but I mean, again, yeah. look at them. They're, they're like not super evolved, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing is though is that because this episode is uh, only 15 pages, it's pretty short. That also, to me, reinforces the idea that we're going to get some pretty big stuff next. You know, it feels like. Mira made it short because, uh, you know, otherwise it would have revealed something. Hmm. So, yeah, it's definitely conspicuous the number of pages. It's not something I would normally care about if it was one or two less than the you know the average nineteen to twenty one, but fifteen is just quite a departure. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I really don't know what to think about that. Yeah, interesting. It might also be. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of possibilities, but yeah, I, I think it would be cool if it's because he wanted to keep the hot uh, tension for the next one, which might have uh, I don't know, big reveal or something. Maybe 15 pages is the new normal, and that's how he's going to get a volume a year. <laughs> I mean, who knows? But I, I don't think so. Like, the previous one was 24 pages, so I don't know. Whoa, I don't even remember. I don't remember when it was 24 pages. It's like volume. Uh, yeah, so, uh, really? I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, previous one was 24. Yeah, yeah, okay. it was. I, no, I, sorry, I thought you were saying the the normal used to be. Oh 24, no, no, no. I was no I'm saying previous okay. episodes, just uh, 255. So yeah, no, I, it, sure, it was I never. Believe, it it used to be uh, 22, I think, at some point, but that was. Uh, it's always been R and 20. Moving right along. Uh, before we uh, move on, uh, I just noticed that uh, the left banner is. Are those antlers at the top of the banner? Yes, looks like. Yes, it. they are. Yeah. C- continuing with the Nordic motif, I guess. It's sure. Not that sure. elk are only in the Nordics, but say, it's, it's a that thing. That was what I was going to say, but <laughs> I never really thought about it. I don't, I, I don't personally, as a as a Westerner, I don't really connect uh, elk horns to to the north, but. Sure. They were, I'm pretty not. sure they were also used uh, by uh, Germanic tribes, but I mean, it, it's it's fitting uh, either way. Well, I guess that's just page one. Now that we're on the page by page of page two, uh, we get to see all the different uh, armor and accoutrements these guys have. Uh, most of which are very improvised. Actually, all of which are improvised. <laughs> There's clearly not a big and tall store for giants out in Fantasia just just quite yet, so they're kind of making do with what they have. It's, it, honestly, it's, it's pretty. I, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, this stuff, the visual spectacle of these guys, uh, their makeshift armors. It's one of the. I mean, it's a real delight. Uh, from the church door used as a shield to the guys using a battering ram as a as a club. You know, the other guy, he's got a necklace of uh, human rib cages and skulls, and they've all got like shields taken from uh, dead foes that they use as kind of just, you know, makeshift, you know, armor. It's, it's all pretty, pretty It's like cool. individual, individual plates on an armor. One shield equals one plate. Yeah. Kind of a cool idea. There's, your, there's another guy that's using like a roofing tile. scale armor, sorry. Yeah, roofing tile as a kind of, a, you know, a scale armor too. And a, an actual roof on his head as a helmet. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's all pretty, pretty damn cool. I like how the guy dude had a roof on his head. He's like, ah, it's not tough enough. Needs something else. I know. Come here, Jerry. They do have a sense of art, you know. I mean, they, they like to decorate, which is, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's very grisly because it's human stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool, man. I mean, I, I like I like these guys. I like their fashion sense. 
somewhat somewhat like a biker gang kind of thing, I guess. Yeah. Just the way that they're outfitting themselves. Um, moving on to the next two-page spread, we get um, you know Griffith and the Apostles fully transformed, uh, ready to go, standing stoically, waiting for the go. And then you know Griffith gives the signal, looking super serious as always uh, in moments like these. I, I like that. Not he, much to comment on. He doesn't even speak. You know, he just you know like unsheath his sword and point it, and they just get to it. You know, it's like. You know, when you hold the dogs and you're like, sit, sit, and then you snap your finger and he just runs, you know, to the price. So that's what he reminds as me I of. As I was reading, when I first read this episode, as I was uh, reading it through, I was like, holy crap, are they going to go a whole episode without any dialogue? That's kind of rad, like as it was playing out. And of course, it doesn't do that. But uh, for a moment, I was kind of like, holy shit. The, it's a very ballsy thing to do. The best part is that you had predicted uh, this episode would be very wordy. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing I told Azil. We, me and Azil were, had had an argument about that, like you know, th- that it would be difficult to translate probably because if Casca and Guts are finally face to face, they're probably going to have a lot to say. A lot's going to go down. It's going to be a really annoying one to translate. And then uh, when I told Azil that the episode was up, I said, "Well, at least it'll be easy to translate <laughs> for sure." So moving uh, right along. What I like about the shot was the double page where you see them from the back. You see one of the shields is uh, from the, it's got the Holy Sea emblem on it, which uh, I thought was pretty neat. Like, you know, really, you can only count on Mira for that, but he's got all these different shield designs, you know, which I think is just mm-hmm. so cool. And uh, yeah, there's, there's one from the Holy Sea, which is uh, an interesting touch, you know. Well, also look at the bottom of that page. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a flail. Oh, yeah, yeah, with, the flail uh, with the Holy Sea emblem. Yeah, yeah, I talked about it in yeah. the thread. I also found that really cool, you know. It's just... That is really cool. Yeah, and it's a great a, a great weapon. And, uh, you know, you see there's one guy that's got... He's got actually a, a, an armor made of human bones, you know. It's just... It's a bone knight, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it's, these are kind of things... I, I said it before, that it's the, it's the kind of thing similar to how the, the ecosystem, how trolls interact with giants in a way. It's things like this, these little touches of detail that tell this, tell, tell a story. It's like, that's what I expect from Miura. And he completely delivered on this little detail front, for sure, in this episode. Mm. You can tell he kind of enjoys that stuff. Yeah. I would, I would and, guess that he and enjoys that. One of the guys, he's got like a, a bare skin... I don't know, as a loincloth, and he didn't bother removing the legs or whatever, so he's got the... Oh, wow! Yeah. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. man. <laughs> that's that's worth the page by page. I appreciate that. That's good yeah. stuff. Wow. Well, I guess we'll keep keeping on. Um, they were in the middle, midst of a coordinated attack. I like the idea of this, that the apostles are on the ground, you know, about to clash right before they make contact. They're intercepted by these uh, cannon shots, which then kind of throw them off balance for that moment of impact for the apostles. So like, it's timed perfectly so that, you know, they're caught in disarray right when the actual engagement begins. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I like that they're using cannons like this because I used to think... Uh, you know, apostles exist in Berserk, but so do cannons. And you would think if humans were, uh, how to say, prepared enough, 
they could actually uh, like get the best of an apostle by just you know shooting cannons at him and stuff like that. So obviously maybe not. I don't know Grunbell they would bounce off and you know Zod could probably take it. But I like that Mira actually uh, uses it like that. We we saw a bit of it too with uh, Rickert when he used uh, his uh, talents against Rakshas with the flamethrower and the rocket launcher. But uh, yeah, I just like to see this stuff used like that because I mean humans are not just swords and lenses, and because cannons exist in the basic world, I mean it's cool to see them used in that in that uh, in that way. At the uh, moment of impact, you know, these two, like, rhino-ass-looking guys, you know, completely uh, impale the giants. What I like about this little engagement here, like, the actual moment of interaction is is the fact that these giants are huge. Like, we've already established how tall and massive they are, you know, wearing church uh, church doors as, as shields and houses as heads or helmets. And yet here they are being lifted from the ground, you know, being so the this, this sense of scale has already been established. And here is Mira just kind of throwing down with it like the idea of that uh, then the Lancers come kind of in the in the wake of the Apostles pretty clear that there's a strategy here uh, you know you get your your heavy opener at the front and then you kind of mop it up with the Lancers uh, Griffith's out there slicing necks uh, would love to would love to see him do a little bit more than that but you know yeah <laughs> Is he really going to transform? Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. Well, you know, again... <laughs> For these guys... It would be cool if he, you know, had to, but, uh, I yeah. mean, not against, you know, losers like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It uh, looks like he hits the same guy twice on the way down. He slices the guy's neck, and then in the following panel, we see him... Looks like he's slicing him again. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> could be a totally different guy. It's hard to tell exactly. But, uh, interesting. Uh, Mule gets a little bit of dialogue, um, wondering about uh, the nature of these giants, and then um, Sonia has to warn him about boulders because there's another contingent of giants that are tossing boulders down, but uh, just narrowly misses him, and then they're intercepted by cannon fire immediately after that. And we get a picture of Sonia saying that uh, Mule should be more careful, um, and then she warns Griffith about what's the, the, the battle ahead. Uh, she tell, yeah, she tells him the leader is on the east of the battlefield, and she, I think, shows him the path he can take. Like she, her thing is to analyze the flow of battle, and uh, and yeah, she shows him like what path you know uh, can be taken to to get there directly. She gives him a waypoint for the next encounter. Yeah, and then uh, he heads over that way. Uh, and then we see the the uh, the boss giant, not the king giant. We don't know if he's royalty. We don't know if he has royal blood in him, but uh, he's the boss and uh, drinking from his goblet. What do you think he's drinking in there? What's that liquid going to be? Uh, good question. Uh, good <laughs> question. I mean, I don't have a zinger right now, but I'm opening up the floor to yeah, discussion about what I liquid am, could I be. I have some ideas, but none of them good enough. I'm going to say it's troll juice. I'm going to say <laughs> his hand's the juicer, and he squeezes it over the thing. Yeah. And gets his, just rings it right out, <laughs> and then tosses the heap, and then drinks that. That's my idea. Well. But uh, I like the, the, the trolls are kind of, uh, he tosses the goblet at a troll, and it gets smashed, and it spits blood out. The other one's kind of yapping like a dog, but the third one's just kind of sitting on his <laughs> yeah. bottom, just like eating chicken. Ah, he's kind of, looks like he's laughing it up, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. He's uh he's kind of scrunching his balls as well. If you look at his, you know, all that. <laughs> That's right. That is what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Having a good time, you know. 
uh, in the last few panels, we see the the boss uh, sweating as he sees, uh, you know, Griffith is already, you know, within his midst, within view, uh, about to strike. Mm-hmm. And then cuts to Griffith, and episode is done. Yeah. Wham, bam. Thank you, man. Pretty simple episode to review, but... Um, I'm going to go ahead and take a gander. I think I think we will be back here in a month to talk about 357. Yeah. I see no reason to assume otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, we got the same end of episode message. I think uh, it's an indication that uh, we're on a roll. Yep. And that's, that's great. And I think he's now two episodes away from uh, finishing up volume 40. And that would be great to do by June, which I guess he's on track to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. Two more, which means uh, we could see volume forty as soon as June, July, which would be awesome. Well, I don't think it would be. I don't think it would be published like that. But it might get uh, actually in bookstores in August or September, which would be pretty neat. Yeah, I, I wouldn't immediately assume so as well. But something strange happened with volume thirty-nine, if you recall, yeah. like. They had had, I think it was, Volume 40 came out at the moment that Episode 351, I think it was, had come out. And it was like, they could have put 351 in 39, but it was like a month delay between what was published in the episodes and what was published in the volume. So, I don't know. I've always wondered if they could pull that off or not. I guess not. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. These choices, you know, you'd have to be in the room to know, but yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't really matter. Um, I guess that's it. If Griff were here, and if I had had time to go see it, and if Azil had seen it, and it, if more than half of the group had seen it, I would probably launch into an Infinity War review, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, me neither. Uh, has anybody seen it here? I have yet. You have? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, I tried to go see it. I just, there's just no way I would have had time to do it. So, I'll, I'll probably, by the next episode, I'll, I'll, have, I'll have seen it, and if... If anyone's still interested in talking about Infinity War in May, then uh, yeah, we'll probably do that too. But that's it for the show, guys. Uh, Thanks for joining, and we'll probably be back here in a month for episode 96 to review episode 357. See you guys then. Bye. Thank you. The Skullcast is a production of Skullknight.net, a Berserk fan community. If you like what you heard, please visit patreon.com slash sknet. Donations there do not go towards the podcast, but instead toward our resident translator, Poila, who ensures that our members have access to high-quality, text-based translations of Berserk. Poila has also been translating interviews with Berserk's creator, Kentaro Miura. Many of these interviews have never been translated into English, so it's very exciting to read those. That kind of work simply wouldn't have happened without support from our donors. If you'd like to chip in a buck or two, please know that it all helps. Once again, that's patreon.com sknet. If you have a question or want to comment on the podcast, visit our forum, skullnet.net slash forum. Near the top, you'll see a section devoted to the podcast. There's always an active thread in there, so go ahead, leave a post, and someone's sure to respond quickly. Thanks for listening.